You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hello, kiddies. Please let me see your ticket stamps for the double-edged double bill. Tonight we go trick-or-treating with Snoop Dogg. and Thomas Mariani will come to the table to discuss the randomly selected yin and yang of a double screecher. Then, both will have to trick a number between one and ten in order to seal their frights for the next episode. One will have two ghoul movies, the other two blood-curdling ones. Let the scaros begin! I am your ghost host, Thomas McCabriani. And, uh... <clears throat> I'm, uh... I'm Adam Thomas. Don't you mean Adamned Thomas? No. No, I don't. Absolutely not. Well, that's the end of the episode, kitties! <laughs> Good night! Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, Welcome to yeah. the Double H Double Bill. This is your first time I apologize. Uh, I just had to go deep into that Crypt Keeper impression because uh, this week, our topic for our two films, One Good, One Bad is uh, horror anthologies, which, as we discussed at the end of our last episode, Adam, pretty niche genre, considering things. Even in the wide span of horror, which often kind of, you know, works for some of the more outcasted folks, uh, horror anthology is like a segment of a segment of a segment of that audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, I mean, there is the uh, devout fans of them. But it, it, it sort of strikes with me the same way the horror comedies do from the last episode. I mean, when they work, they're some of the best movies but they are so few far in between that they're actually good because holy shit, there's so many of them that are just piss poor. Yep. Gonna talk about one of those tonight. Or oh, if not the quintessential of the piss poor. Yes. Yes. So uh, at the end of our last episode, uh, each of us had uh, two movies of a discerning quality. I had, uh, two good horror anthology movies. Adam had two bad ones. And uh, it made our double feature here, which first we'll discuss the bad pick of Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. <laughs> and uh, then we'll be doing the good pick that I picked, which was uh, Michael Doherty's Trick or Treat. And though Michael Doherty is presenting it like Snoop Dogg, uh, nor is Snoop Dogg the director of Hood of Horror. We'll talk about the director in a second. Uh, so yeah, let's just get into it, Adam. Let's get into your pick, your little pick. Of uh, Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. What are you? Everything you can imagine. Help them to reveal their true selves. With every soul, you will gain knowledge and strength. Oh, yeah. Whatever you do, do it with style. How long do I have to do this? That's up to you. And no matter what circumstance you are facing, your fate is always up to you. So, Hood of Horror, uh, Snoop Dogg's <laughs> Hood of Horror, 
as it were, uh, came out May 4th, 2007, directed by Stacey Tidal, um, who is, actually, interestingly enough, the director of future masterpiece, uh, The Bye-Bye Man. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, great. I didn't realize that. Oh. Great director, great author. Wow. Yeah. And uh, in case you couldn't tell from that very subtle title, uh, Soup Dog Sort of Horror is an anthology movie that takes place uh, in the more urban sex of the population, as it were. It's uh, three segments and an animated uh, wraparound segment that kind of comes in and out. And Snoop Dogg, the rapper, is our uh, Crypt Keeper, which on paper, him being like some kind of horror host necessarily for this kind of movie isn't the worst idea. Because, I mean, you know, Snoop Dogg's fun. Snoop Dogg is nothing if not always entertaining to look at. Of course, and he has that great wordplay, sniggity diggity, Adam. Absolutely. Or, I'm yeah. sorry, gizzle, zizzle, for shizzle, for shizzle? Oh, God, get this man a record deal. Yeah. <laughs> You're I going places, kid. Yeah, yep. Uh, uh, just do the bad uh, Jason Alexander accent next time you talk to me about that. Oh, fucking hell. Oh, of course. Oh, I might. You need a record deal. I pip, pip, cheerio. You can't have your pudding until you eat your porridge. <laughs> okay, so, Adam, uh, this was your pick. Uh, had you seen this before? Uh, yeah, actually. I have. <laughs> you voluntarily watched this a second time? <laughs> uh, well, the thing is, I wasn't going to watch it a second time, because I've seen it already, so I'm like, okay, I can talk about this one. And then I realized, holy shit, I don't remember any of it. So I did rewatch it. It's uh, free on Amazon Prime if you belong to a certain channel. And, uh, oh, God. <laughs> I mean, how could this not be my pick? It's Snoop Dogg's Hood of Horror. Uh, I'm sorry, Thomas. This is another one where I just really fucking went for the jugular for no reason. Yep, and in true horror movie fashion, I'm just like a fountain of blood just like spurting yeah. out of my neck. There's, there's so much, uh, cause this is one of the worst ones we've ever done for the show. Oh, without question. Yeah. I, I guess given we're doing it as an anthology, we should kind of go, I guess, segment by segment. I mean, I'll start with at least the segment that's still terrible, but at the very least has some kind of effort put into it is the animated intro wraparound thing, which is not good. It's subpar, like boondocks level wannabe anime yeah. animation. Um, but at the same time, that's still, so much better than everything else that we can miles miles better than anything else look let's give the listeners a little bit behind the scenes thing okay yes every week thomas i do mean thomas because you know that's how committed he is and it shows my lack of commitment but thomas prepares uh workflowies or you know if you want to call them spreadsheets or whatever for notes for each episode and there's always bits of trivia and little things that bullet points that if we need to fill time, we can go to and reference and, you know, maybe make it fun for the listener. He was unable to find any for this movie. Nope. Not a single bit of trivia. Nope. I scoured the internet. No one wants to talk about this film. I don't blame anybody who was associated with it for not wanting to talk about it. This is so bad that even, like, Danny Trejo has nothing to say about it. And Danny Trejo's in so many things he'll talk about. Yeah. It's, uh... It's something. You know, I knew I was in trouble once I saw Tim Sullivan's name attached as well. Who, for background, for people. Oh, do you do you not know either? I'm not quite sure. Ring my memory. Did you see Chillorama? No. 
Wow. Well, Tim Sullivan wrote the worst segment of that called I Was a Teenage Werebear. He also did the 2001 Maniacs with Robert England and then the awful sequel where Bill Mosley took over. I haven't seen any of these. I've avoided him, thankfully. He's a real fucking hack and a real asshole from what I understand. Like, I'm, I'm going by, like, Adam Green and Joe Lynch talking about him without using his name. But he like context clues. Yeah, he's oh yeah. Well, let's put it this way: they had three out of the four directors on a podcast of Chillerama, and all of them referencing how one of them was bad and made it really difficult to work with. Hmm. Well, yeah. Hmm. Who's the missing link in that situation? Exactly. I guess he's a real big, like I said, a prick. And then when I saw his name this time, I noticed it, and I was like, oh no! But it makes total sense. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) <laughs> so, um, what would you say is the worst segment here, Adam? I'm very curious. What, what would you say of these? Offensively-wise, the second. Acting-wise, the third. That's interesting. We'll, we'll definitely, I guess, get into that. But I guess let's go segment by segment here, since it's a horror anthology, briefly. We mentioned the uh, the animated stuff, which, as we said, not good, but at the very least kind of stylish, I guess, whatever. And introduces the concept that the uh, hoods of horror are these sort of cryptkeeper type characters that come into people's lives though it's a weird thing where you have like snoop dog danny trejo and uh lynn shay in the third segment You're like, what the fuck <laughs> three actors that work perfectly uh together yep. All um, makes sense. and uh each of them have to basically give them the impetus for like the horror segments of it i guess for the horror stuff that would happen later and uh, so in the first segment it's danny trejo ends up gifting this vague power of being able to do magic with graffiti to this graffiti artist and uh this uh female artist decides to uh, use this um potential gift to kill a bunch of gangbangers that killed her mom but wait a minute they're not the gangbangers that killed her mom her mom was killed by her father right these are guys who literally like threatened her because she was tagging in her neighborhood okay yes that's it like they didn't do anything to her but she just starts murdering everyone that's true yes with that premise like something kind <laughs> of interesting might you know expound from that the trouble is it's the weird thing where this wants to give the impression of like oh danger was giving her a gift that she can use for good but she uses it for evil but isn't the whole point of the tagging of, like, when you cross someone's name out, they get killed, and how can you use that for good? I, I really don't know. And, okay. So, just get into it. The the two the first two guys she kills, it, it looks like accidents. Like, the one guy accidentally shoots himself and dies, the one guy falls on his beer bottle, and it goes through his mouth out of the back of his head. Ridiculous, but still, looks like accidents. The third guy gets choked by a sentient payphone cord. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? The amazing <laughs> dazzling effects work there. Oh my god. And Billy D. Oh, Billy D. Williams. Yes, as. Who plays the, the local preacher, pastor, or whatever. Yes, who just comes in just like, hey, I'm Billy D. Colt 45. Orlando, yeah. how's it going? Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, you should use these gifts for good or don't. All right. <laughs> See you guys. See you later. Oh, there's my check. I'm getting that <laughs> exactly. Ah, oh. and also, by the way, you cast Danny Trejo as this sort of character, 
And mm-hmm. he just doesn't quite fit, because Danny Trejo, obviously, machete, amongst other things. Like, he works as, like, oh, he's a big, tough guy who might surprisingly have a heart of gold, or he's a real badass that you can't get messed with. As opposed to Crypt Keeper-type dude who tempts somebody doesn't work, really, with him at all. Uh, no, because Danny Trejo, as much as I do love Danny Trejo, he has no, like, pathos, period. It, it's just, you're looking at Danny Trejo with worse teeth. <laughs> it's just not much range Jesus. from Mr. Trejo, despite how much we love him. No, 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 no. I mean, no, no range at all for Mr. Trejo. I think the proper thing we could do is rank segment to segment, like out of scale. And we'll do one out of what? One out of five? You good with that? I guess. <laughs> I know. Where are you going with this one? Oh, one. <laughs> I have a feeling this is going to be kind of an adorable thing. <laughs> 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 all right, we'll just call them all ones to start with. Uh, uh, no, no, some of them aren't ones. Some of them are lower. We'll get to that. <laughs> Can I ask a question? So they finally, at the end, you know, and she painted us this mural. And they showed, and A, it's the worst-looking mural I've ever seen. It's like a, like not even a quarter of this giant white wall. And there's eyeballs and gore sticking out of it, but no one notices that. Except Snoop Dogg, who picks one up. Except Dogg and eats it in animation form. Yes, and then there's like a weird, awkward animated bit, and it's just like, oh, look, here's her body. We're going to take her to hell. What's going on now? Transition to the next segment. That's another thing. These transitions are so fucking baffling. I don't get how, like, we get to one segment to the other. It just feels sometimes either unfinished or it isn't edited at all. It just goes on forever, and then all of a sudden, oh, yeah, next segment. (laughs) Like, it's either awkwardly chipped or has no edit whatsoever that makes sense and i do believe the second one goes on far too long yes so the the second uh by the way the first segment was called crossed out and the second segment is called the scum lord and uh, the premise of this one is that anson mount plays a texan who uh, his father recently died in an accident which it turns out he ran over his father um in order to get his inheritance but the big thing about his inheritance is he has to stay for a year in this tenement house with a bunch of black Vietnam vets, and uh, that include Ernie Hudson and Richard Gant and Tucker Smallwood, a bunch of great character actors who show up there, and they have to deal with Anson Mount being, um, maybe the worst character ever in a movie. <laughs> oh, I mean, holy shit. I was, I was watching this with, with the wife, and we both said, even if we were actors, it would be hard for me to play that role. He says... So flippantly, some of the most offensive, passive-aggressive, racist bullshit. Constantly. That's all that's spewing out of his mouth. Oh, God. And all of it's treated for laughs. Hysterical laughs about, like, oh, this racist idiot. Look at him. We'll get you some fried chicken. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, because black people stereotypically like fried chicken. That's the least offensive one Adam could say right now. Oh, yeah. No, I, and I, that's, that's the only one I will say. No. Believe me. Yes. Because I like fried chicken, too, so it's okay that I say it. We all do. And the other thing is, you might be asking, like, Thomas, where's the horror in that sort of thing you were talking about? Um, There isn't really much horror. That's the thing, is this feels much more like a bad sketch that goes on endlessly. Like, it's the worst impulses of in-living color and mad TV just meshed into one awful thing. It, It just, it goes on forever and there's no real point to it except this like some of this racist stuff and then occasionally ernie hudson and richard gann are just like oh hey remember we're here and we're likable actors but we're not gonna do anything but like sit around and like remember vietnam yeah i remember vietnam 
Anyway, back to racist Anson Mount. <laughs> you know, Anson Mount, for anyone who might be wondering where he is, he's from what? Hell on Wheels. Yes. Uh, that awful inhuman show. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he's not a terrible actor. I think he's on the new Star Trek show now. But Jesus Christ. And then the wife, uh, Brandy Roderick, who most people know from The Surreal Life, who Bronson Pitch now was constantly trying to bang. She's equally awful in this. And then Sidney Poitier's daughter shows up, and you're like, oh, no, not you. Like, <laughs> get out. It was like this, the right after she did Death Proof and just disappeared off the face of the earth. It's probably for the best at this point. Probably not. This, the, you know, not, not the strongest this, actress like her father necessarily. No, 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 no. This segment is incredibly hard to watch. I don't care what race or creed you might be. This, If you're not offended by the segment, then you need to go see somebody. Well, and also, it's just it's so laboriously unfunny. Just any attempt. There's a lot of, like, Benny Hill-style silly things of, like, oh, we're going to have a sex scene. And it's like, oh, we're going to be super wacky when we're out to do it. And he's about to uh, rape Sidney Poitier's daughter in a weird Force 3 way with his wife. And, yeah. they, and he has, like, fucking Confederate flag underwear on. And there's a weird <laughs> point where, the as revenge, the Vietnam vets make the wife eat caviar that bloats her stomach up. Oh, yeah, she farts a lot. <laughs> yeah, she just keeps farting, yeah. It's just, just like, there's nothing funny, and even, like we mentioned, it's not a horror segment, really. Like, it has the trappings of, like, something like a Tales from the Crypt thing, of, like, oh, some asshole ends up getting his comeuppance. But, like, even, like, the few horror things that happen are just, like, her stomach blows up, and her dog eats it, um, and then uh, fucking Anson Mount gets, like, stabbed with a ram horn through the neck. Yeah. Ear horn through the throat. Great. That's it. Yeah, that's that's the only like. There's this feels like such fucking the, filler. <laughs> and then one of the oddest wraparound segments I've ever seen, where oh Snoop Dogg yes. comes and shoots the dog. He, he, after the story ends, pretty much, and there's even an animated bit where it's just like, "Oh, we're taking him to hell," like they do for all the other characters, and they're like, "Nah, we got room for one more." Then awkwardly, it cuts back to Snoop Dogg entering the apartment for this particular. Bit yeah, where he's in their new landlord or whatever, right? Where he's the new landlord and he comes and just like, hey, y'all, let me shoot the dog. And then, hey, so you got a party going? And the Vietnam vets are not phased by this. Just like, yeah, we're having a party. We're having fun. Oh, great. Next yeah, segment, <laughs> the little demon dude like throws up in their punch, and they're like, right. oh, we're having fun. And then next segment, it's just it's so, yeah. just like, why was this here? Did yeah. you need you need this for theatrical length? I guess. Dude, it, I mean, it had to have been. Because it it's like, it's about been. 80 minutes long, so it's just like they had to fill up time. Okay, scale of one to five. Uh, goose egg, this is the worst thing I've ever fucking seen. This is the worst thing. This is the worst thing. This is like a negative 13. It's so fucking terrible. So bad. This was the moment where, like, I, I watched this and I'm like, I, I gotta do this at, like, 1.5 speed. I can't watch this the regular thing. Yeah. I no, I don't blame you. I was watching this, and I, I literally went, how the fuck am I going to talk about this? Oh, we're talking about it. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I knew you would think it was that bad. How much would you love it if I just came and like, man, Adam, this is one of my favorite horror anthologies ever. <laughs> no, no, just this segment. Like, look, man, you don't understand the pathos. You know, and how much this applies to today. I'd be like, I, get, I quit. <laughs> I quit. See, it's really talking about disabilities, and these vets just need to have a place, Adam, so they have to feed the rich their caviar. 
Oh my god. Oh god. Well, at, at least it leads the next segment to not be the worst one. Uh, but suppose it still is terrible <laughs> on an average scale. Um, and it's yeah. about this guy uh, who was a small time rapper who has become big and is backstage at like some event after uh, right before he's about to perform or right after he performs. Um, and as he's hanging out in his green room and just being a total asshole, Lin Shay comes in. And she's like, hey, we're going to go through your past about the partner that you completely threw away, played by Ari Spears of Mad TV. Oh, God. For, for some reason. She'll rap several times for no reason. Right, and we're going to, like, show you all of these different moments where you were a piece of shit. It's a Christmas Carol thing, only it's going to get gang violence by yeah. the end of it. And just a yeah. really... And, and what feels totally like the writer being like, hmm, we have no idea where to go with this shootout <laughs> let's yep. let's do that um but now adam you said the while the last segment was the worst overall just as a segment you think this one has the worst acting oh dude the guy who plays the main guy Assad or whatever is so atrociously bad i mean he is so terrible him trying to emote anything be it pain being sad being angry or whatever it's just the worst yes pooch hall is the name well there you go and airy spears just fucking, when he shows up as the, the demon or the ghoul or whatever, just hamming it up so bad. Oh. If Diamond Dallas Page is the best actor in your <laughs> segment, you got a problem. <laughs> no, it's, I mean, it's it's true. Aries Spears is hamming it up, but in the way where it's like he's only amusing himself. Like, he only, like, he's, when he laughs about just, like, something, he's like, oh, wait, I'm sorry, I'm hard of hearing. And his, like, ear comes off. He's like, yeah. <laughs> and he's wearing makeup looks like the worst possible outcome of, like, the villain from The Mask when he becomes The Mask. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he got shot in the head. What happened to his fucking face? <laughs> I guess he bloated up or the demon possessing bloated, him did that? I don't I know. That, I, 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 dude. What? And Jason Alexander... Oh God! Right in a flashback, they where they're talking about like about to get signed up by some record deal, and Pooch Hall is messing it up in the most overtly just villainous. Like, here we're not gonna play your game. I'm gonna get out of here. And Jason Alexander's this over the top British. I'm just like pip tip cherry. Oh, I'm going to sign one right. of them because oh, the other one's ass. So I might. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Pooch Pooch Hall. I hate that. That's his name because I I feel stupid <laughs> saying it. But Pooch Hall's whole thing is. Yeah, we'll sign your deal, but I got to get bling and ice, and then I need a Mercedes. You give me that first. Like, I mean, how stereotypical is this? Like, it's such an offensive cliche in every way. I mean, this is just, oh, God. He's supposed to be the guy where it's like, oh, man, he's this, like, very material-possessed asshole dude who, like, oh, he left his partner to be murdered. He set up this whole murder to, like, get revenge against him and all this other shit. But it's like, that would only work if, like, Aries Spears was, supposed to, if, like, a genuine, like, hey, I'm talented, but I'm very sincere, and raps an art form and all this other stuff. But he's just, like, a fucking bumbling idiot. Yeah, and I love I love that, you know, a baseball goes through a church window and goes, oh, that's my ball. Oh, man, I'm a rapper. Really? I make beats. We friends. <laughs> like, what the fuck? This, this, like, this is just this most thrown together stupidest thing we were like we gotta have a third segment uh, they're rappers because it, it's a hood movie that's right? just the weird thing is like all of these segments have that problem though they all feel like a third segment for a horror anthology that only had two but it's all of them together as one movie i agree 
Like yeah, they I all, agree. But you know what? They all feel like literally from Tales from the Hood, which is a movie we almost talked about. This is the movie that people who haven't seen Tales from the Hood think Tales from the Hood is. Which is such yes. a bummer, because Tales from the Hood is oh, a agree. great horror anthology. If anything mm-hmm. else, if you glean anything from this one, don't watch this movie. Don't, Anybody don't. who thinks they should, don't do it. Like fucking Kevin McCarthy at the end of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Don't run! Don't do it! Get away! He's like the guy from that movie. <laughs> I want you to get out of your chairs and look away from the TV screen and say, I can't take this anymore. It's... It's so bad, but Tales from the Hood is the antithesis of it, because that's a movie that, despite maybe some arguably stereotypical material in it, at the same sure. time, speaks way more to, like, well, to be fair, we're two white guys, we can't say that, um, to that expression. No, 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 yes, you can. No, yes, you can. Because Tales from the Hood was written and directed by a black man. Right. Yes, exactly. This was written by a entitled asshole and directed by, I'm guessing, the same. At the very least, a white lady. What entitled white folk who are like, oh, we put Snoop Dogg in it. We're edgy, right? This is what, oh, yeah. All, the, kid, all the kids like Snoop Dogg. Pop it like it's hot, right, guess? Yeah, we're ghetto, right? Back that ass up. This is just garbage. No, as as opposed to Tales from the Hood is definitely, it's a great horror anthology. Most of the segments are good. Like, it's one of those rare yeah. horror anthologies that's really consistent, I would argue. Yeah. Um, and like, there's so much great horror imagery and it sort of outcasts. There's a great one, especially my favorite one in that entire thing is um, one that involves a you know police brutality gun shooting. That's amazing. That's it's so good. <laughs> and, but all the segments are pretty good, and it's a great sort of black horror experience horror movie that at the same time is a lot of fun. It's it's also at the same time very fun and kind of gleeful. Yeah, it's okay. It's a little campy. Uh, like I said, Clarence Williams is really camping it up. As as our horror hood host, as it were, in that. Yes, he's yep. amazing. Yeah. This is the exact opposite of all of that. Like you said, this was written for white people who think that's what the hood is. Oh, man. Look at the hood. Okay. You no, know, it's, it's for the asshole who, like, would listen to early 2000s hip-hop albums. It's like, you know what my favorite tracks are? The hip-hop sketches. Those are my favorite bits. Like, fuck you. You're the worst. Oh, man. Anytime Juvenile does a hot fucking intro track, that's the best. He's a funny guy. (laughs) This is just pure shit. It's so bad it made me pine for Tales from the Hood 2. Which I haven't seen, but I, I, I guarantee you it's probably better than this. Keith David, that makes it immediately better than this. It's definitely better. This is easily in the top five of the worst we've done for this show. Oh, okay, yes. Very, very easily. Oh, well, we didn't rate the last segment. Uh, it's a point five. It's terrible. All these segments are terrible. I don't know why we did this ranking thing. I fucking hate you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. On a scale of one to five, how much do you hate me? 5,000? That's fair. Uh, hmm. You know how you have that list of a bunch of people who are terrible? I have a list that's that long, but it's all Adam. <laughs> it's all Adam. <laughs> anyway, um, I, I keep rattling on about this. I don't know about any final thoughts. But it fucking sucks. It's one of the worst. It's terrible. No, it's garbage. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. Do you have anything to add, Adam? <laughs> it's terrible. It's fucking garbage. It's one of the worst things I've ever seen. <laughs> Perfect. Great summation. Anyway, here's an ESO show you could listen to right now. My name is Quoth. I tread paths by moonlight that others fear to speak of during the day. I've talked to gods, loved women, and written songs that make the minstrels weep. You may have heard of me. Join Mandy and her friends as they explore Patrick Rothfuss's best-selling fantasy series, The Kingkiller Chronicle. You can find us at castrequest.com 
or on the ESO network. Well, uh, after that pretty much exhausted so much out of me, um, let's at least rejuvenate our spirits now, Adam, with our good feature, Trick or Treat. All these traditions. You're supposed to keep it lit. Why? Ancient tradition? Putting on costumes. I look like I'm five. Jack-o'-lanterns. Why are we here? To pay our respects to the dead? They started to protect us, but nowadays, no one really cares. Tonight, it's about respecting the customs, not breaking them. so happy now we're going to be talking about a good movie i'm really happy oh, oh thank god oh, oh. that's why i did that first so we could get it out of our system just oh. a, a wave of relief has just washed over me oh yes because we're talking about trick-or-treat uh from writer director michael doherty um who would later go on to make krampus and recently got to the king of the monsters this very summer we're releasing this uh just this, that just passed um and uh this came out october 6 2009 not in theaters, uh, despite its $12 million budget. It was an interesting case where it was supposed to originally be released uh, out there in October of 2007, but was pulled from the schedule by Warner Brothers uh, for reasons that are quite unknown at this point, um, and kept saying, like, oh, we'll put it at Halloween 2008 or maybe early 2009, and then they dumped it straight to video on October 6, 2009. And um, that is such a bummer, because this movie's fucking great. This movie is amazing. Now, I could see if it was trying to be released now, while it might not get, you know, a strong release, seeing as uh, Brian Singer's involvement. Yeah, he's a producer on this. I forgot about that part while I was watching it. Yeah, wait, I'm glad I could take you down a peg. Um, <laughs> Man, I was so excited now. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry. But no, I definitely agree with you. I think this is just a perfect Halloween film. I don't know if there's a better movie that encompasses the actual holiday and spirit of the, you know, the season as well as this one does. Right. Cause a lot of people have like before this, you had stuff like the John Carpenter's Halloween, which was like sure. evokes at least some of the feeling of it, but isn't really that necessary to the holiday. The only reason they even chose that holiday was just like, well, you know, he's got a mask on. Gotta get him a mask, right? <laughs> so he can walk around and people don't think it's weird, right? I mean, it just encompasses Halloween to a T, and I mean, it is just filled to the brim with fucking just an amazing cast. I mean, the cast in this movie, dude, Jesus, it's, it's one of the best ensembles, if not the best ensemble in an anthology film ever. I mean, yeah, especially as like somebody who like the, the introduction to me for horror anthologies of any kind, was uh, Creepshow. My dad introduced me to that, and I love Creepshow. It's so oh, great. One of my favorite just horror movies, or any movie, honestly. It's so great. Um, yeah. But, like, growing up with that, um, and then glomming onto this, definitely, when it came out, I remember hearing about the release, like, oh man, it's this movie that nobody's seen, because it's, like, it played some festivals and stuff, but it's never gotten a chance to be, like, released out worldwide, because of whatever reason, Warner Brothers isn't doing it. Then when it finally came on, you know, DVD, I instantaneously, like, I gotta rent this and see how it is. And it has become a Halloween perennial watch. I like usually yeah. watch it like after like you know I either get home from work or whatever from a holiday party or whatever the hell I'm doing, and it's like you know I'm I'm gonna fall asleep to Trick or Treat. That's what I usually yep. do. Um, and yep. it's it's so perfect for that. It's such a great sort of like mixture of like all this small town and all these individual stories. It feels like the stories you hear 
around the neighborhood about like, mm-hmm. oh, look, there's the old man asshole. I heard he was like the bus driver when all those kids crashed. And oh, you didn't hear about the kids crash? Well, didn't this happen? Oh, I heard about these group of girls that went off to the woods. I heard they were actually they are werewolves and shit like that. There's there's right. so many different like great tales of lore that kind of come around. And this movie is steeped in that, especially because the big sort of centerpiece of it is the rules of Halloween. You always got to check your candy, um, make sure the jack lanterns are lit till the end of the night. Don't take out your decorations till the next day. Right, all this other stuff where it's like you got to respect yep. the idea of Halloween. And all that is personified with the mascot of this movie and one of the great modern horror icons of the last 10 years or so, Sam, the little trick-or-treater boy. Such yep. an ingenious design. And like he was actually designed by Michael Doherty for an animated short he did um, back in his college days. And it was just this cute little drawing that he did, and it just kind of like stuck with him. And it's it's so ingenious, it's so simple. That's what I love about Sam. Oh, it's, oh, it's great. It's so it's beautifully great. simple. Uh, a kid in a onesie and a burlap sack hat that has a smile on its face, and a little Halloween um, jack o' lantern lollipop that when you bite it, it becomes a little knife. It's just like genius. How perfect. When uh, Toys R Us was going out of business, you know, to, to mm-hmm. for the kids here. I went there, and they had their sale going, and I bought a life-size Sam. Real burlap sack on his head. You take out the sack, and the head is fully detailed. He's got the lollipop. He's got his burlap sack and everything. I got it for, like, 30 bucks. Right now, it's going online. The exact same one for 400 And I oh, dude, I love it. I put it up. My kid instantly was like, oh, my God, no. So I have it, I have it like, packed away, but... Dude, I, I absolutely love Sam. I love everything about this film. I love the way that all the segments are connected, but they don't instantly feel that way. Yeah, like really watching it, I realized like this is, for horror anthologies, their Pulp Fiction. Yes, absolutely. Because the stories all intersect in this weird way where it isn't, like to speaking to the fucking lack of transitions from Hood of Horror, this is the exact opposite, where they just weave in and out of each other. It's not like, oh, one segment ends and a new segment. It's like, oh, hey, let's catch up on this segment here real quick, and then we'll go to the other one, then we'll go to the other one. But it's all perfectly paced. Mm-hmm. And I love that there's so much rewatchability to this, because every time you rewatch it, you'll notice, like, holy shit, that's the werewolf girls in the car almost hitting the little witch girl. I mean, there's constant little nods to all the other segments, the entire film. I mean, this is so expertly done. It's so smart and so ingenious. And again, the fucking cast. I mean, Brian Cox and Dylan Baker alone. But then you throw in Anna Paquin and, I mean, just all these other just amazing character actors. Like I said, I I mean, this is easily my favorite go-to movie on Halloween. And I love introducing it to people. Oh, yeah, me too, man. And the thing is, this is talk about a good introduction to horror movie. I think this would be a great introduction to horror movie. I mean, it is violent, but it's not overly graphic. There's not a lot of, you know, swearing or nudity. In fact, I don't think there's any nudity. In in the same way that earlier this year we had uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. Yes. Yes. That feels like it's the perfect step up from like, okay, kids, you've been introduced to Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark? So you got like the starter kit. It's like, but let's go to this next level when it's like age, like preteen, like around the preteen age. Perfect horror movie for that sect. Yes, I 100% agree. This hits every button it's trying to hit. There's the fun. It's funny in certain scenes. It's a very dark comedy in most of it. Beautifully shot. The special effects are really good. The werewolf transformation scenes alone are fucking fantastic. And so unique. Because like in this Mm -hmm. case, it's like they just like 
uh, tear off their skin. It's yes. so great. Like I've never seen that before. I don't, is there any precedent for that? The only movie I can think of that I saw that before this was that awful, awful Hugh Jackman Van Helsing. Oh, good lord! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But the werewolves did tear off their skin in that, that which is true. you know. Oh boy! <laughs> and, and, and that's a great use of the Marilyn Manson cover of "Sweet Dreams." Mm-hmm. But I, and also Douglas Pipes' score is perfect for this oh, whole movie. So good! It, it, it's it, so it captures good. like the like the the strings and like the, the weird sort of like mixture of childlike innocence and whimsy, but also just complete like terror shock at every corner at the same time. It, it evokes so much that like that this movie feels like you felt when you were a kid going around yeah. trick or treating on Halloween, and especially like the danger that you felt when going to a house you weren't familiar with. Like I, I, it just evokes that feeling so perfectly, but not in like a nostalgia baity kind of way. That's another thing is it definitely is inspired by stuff like Creepshow and some of these other things. But it doesn't feel like so many of these other horror anthologies are so beholden to like the that eighties aesthetic that it feels kind of like cheap and kind of underwhelming. This feels like okay, I was inspired by that, but I'm doing my own thing now. It's like that's a jumping off point. And now I'm gonna like create my own mythology and my own universe and all these little characters that pop in and out. And do it wonderfully. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they're winking at the audience the whole time, but they're not forcing you to pay attention to the fact that they're winking. This is an expertly done film, be it anthology, horror, or not. I mean, this movie is really, really well done. And this is another one where, I mean, I I can honestly say in the horror community, it has a huge following and people love it, but it's definitely not to the level that it should be. To go in the way, way back machine, the first time I saw this was, A, I was getting Fangoria monthly, which, you know, I, well, that doesn't happen anymore. And uh, I bought it from Blockbuster. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I bought it not seeing it, but I, I constantly read the articles about it. And I knew, you know, it had production issues. So I'm like, all right, well, I got to give it a shot. And I instantly fell in love. No, yeah, it, it's just it is such a sublime movie i guess we don't re- we can't really go through like all the segments necessarily do we want to well yeah well, isn't, well, that, the can... point? isn't okay. that the point of our show isn't that what the, the listeners want thomas why are you denying them <laughs> all the tables have turned now who's yelling at me um <laughs> <laughs> uh but no let's go ahead and do that yeah let's go through this the segments i guess uh, there's the intro first of all with leslie bibb uh which is quite I'll perfectly introduce this movie. Because you have the guy who's kind of a believer, but he's still just like, I mean, you know, it's like tradition. Let's have fun. He's drunk. He's, you know, he's partying. He's, he's just a goon who wants to get laid. Right. And his wife is just like, well, honey, I got, I really want to get rid of these decorations. It's so garish. I hate Halloween. I mean, I like having fun with you, but I don't like Halloween that much. Who cares? Yeah. Her mom is coming over the next day. So she's like, if my mom comes over and sees this, she's going to freak out. So she t- she wants to get it down and take it off, and oh boy, does that not work out for her? As a perfect introduction to Sam, without really seeing him that much until he strikes, it's a great sort of like build of suspense. I love the whole bit of her looking over at the kid with the weird Jabberwockies costume, which is great, <laughs> <laughs> um, and immediately dates this movie in 2009. Then he's just, he's just standing there and he's like, oh, hey guys, why were you late? A car pulls up and shit. It's, I, I love that, and then the false thing like oh now i get to put everything away and then sam shows up such a great build-up and such a great execution of that bit and then of course the reveal of like how she's been splayed out on these like ghost crosses is immaculate and wonderful and i love how that 
reverses back, and that's the actual ending of our story chronologically. But it's our in-media res bit of just like, hey, this is where we are. You might wonder how we got here. Well, let's go back. And it does it so but, perfectly without immediately pointing it out to you. It's so great. Oh, I agree. I love the opening. Uh, I mean, I don't know that we get to go segment by segment, to be honest, because they all do intertwine. It never feels like segment by segment to me. I mean, it we should like, devote like, at least a bit of time to like some of these people. Like you mentioned Dylan Baker in one segment where he plays the school principal. I love him. With the kid from Bad Santa. Right. Where he clearly has poisoned the kid. And then, like, his son the whole time, you know, Daddy, can we carve a pumpkin? Can we go? He's constantly bothering him. And then just the payoff for that alone, how dark and twisted to where it's that the bully kid's decapitated head. It's it's like it's dark and twisted, but it's weirdly playful at the same time. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's this great balance where, it, once again, it feels like the end of, like, an EC Comics issue in general. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, that's it. But I just love also at the same time that Dylan Baker plays it as, like, he respects the traditions, but he also hates them at the same time. It's just almost out of, like, a necessity that he does this kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, well, I gotta offer a sacrifice to Salwin. I guess it's time to kill this kid. <laughs> like, it's Sorry, he plays it's so good. He plays it so, especially the way that, like, the after he kills this kid, he keeps barfing up chocolate gore, and he's just like, ah, oh, <laughs> He just wants to get it off him. <laughs> It's it's so great. And even, like, when he's trying to do, like, his big dramatic thing of just like, oh, like I said, always check your... <laughs> he keeps vomiting. <laughs> he vomits all over him. <laughs> That's another great thing. It's like, the, the movie does a great job of building up a lot of, like, the legend and lore and all stuff. I love the movie, like, the very opening bit is an old serial film talking about, like, oh, here are these kids going out for trick-or-treating. Like, an old newsreel bit. Um, yeah, establishes yeah. all these rules, and then you, like, really emphasize it. We're just like, chick that can't oh god he's he's vomiting <laughs> i gotta get him out of here it's so good <laughs> that one's great and then that's immediately followed by the werewolf girls correct no the kids well right i mean like that's the thing with the way it intertwines like you see a bit of both like you see the girls getting in their costumes and they're about to have their like werewolf escapades and it's all very much a metaphor for like oh hey some of these you know uh anna paquin's the runt of the litter as it were like lose her virginity quotes Right, yes, and all this other stuff. Like, it's all just like, oh, okay, it's really good build-up, and it's it's so much of, like, especially around this time, I was really getting into Edgar Wright, between, like, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz. This has a similar great use of foreshadowing and really yes. hitting on all of, like, these bits that, you know, when you go back, it's like, oh, it's so obvious, how did I miss this? But it just is, like, works so well as a double entendre at the same time for all these bits. Mm-hmm. There is no loose end in this movie. No, Everything- yeah nicely tied up in a little bow and then none of it feels like rushed no and i love also how once again it intersects where it's like you establish really on the dylan baker's like oh i have a hot date and then later on it turns out he's this weird like not quite a vampire but just a dude who likes killing he's, women and thinks he's yeah, a vampire. He's acting, yeah he's acting like he's a vampire it's like his weird fetish that he does it's so mm-hmm. weird and i love how they don't over explain that it's just what the fuck is he doing mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Um, and how he ends up being Anna Paquin's first, and that intersects in, like, I, I love all the cinematography in the woods, and how creepy and shadowy that is, and also even the sequence where Dylan Baker kills his date, and is in the middle of a party, and everyone thinks she's drunk, and it's just like, that, that's yeah. honestly such a terrifying idea, just like, oh my god, people dismiss you as being, like, an inebriator out of it, and then you get right. murdered, it's just like, oh shit, this is fucked up. And I love when Anna Paquin, like, when she's turning to the wolf. I don't know if it's Anna Paquin or one of the other werewolves, but when they like, it's almost like they're unzipping their dress, but it's their back. Yes. Oh, uh, just 
so cool. But I love the kid scene too. I love the little kids to where they're talking about, you know, the ghost story of the little kids who died because they were like the special kids in the town that the parents didn't want to deal with. And they paid the bus driver to kill them. I mean, so it's that urban legend. They go down to the, like the quarry where those kids are, but then they bring the, uh, I don't want to call her. I guess she could be considered a special needs girl. They bring them with them. And, she, like, she seems to just, be on some just, sort of autistic spectrum. And they yeah, use... she's on the spectrum. They, right. they, cause the whole point is they're going to scare the shit out of her. Yes. But then she gets the upper hand completely, by the way. Like, she's like, fuck all you all. <laughs> it just leaves them to be butchered. It's fantastic. And the thing is with that, I've been friends with some people who really love the idea of like, oh man, a horror movie's really fucked up if they kill kids. That's a big thing. Killing a kid in a horror movie, that takes a lot. When really, I just think that can be very cheap if done poorly. I think it's just like, it's a I very... Agree. It's an it's an easy thing to do, and it just feels like, oh man, we're raising stakes. When it's like, really, you're just kind of being like very lowest common denominator with it. Yeah, like we've talked about, it's shock value for shock value. Right. Yes. As opposed to this is a great job because they build up all of these kids as to be realistic kids, even if like you know, there's like the doofy one who wears the pirate outfit, where like some of the interconnecting segment stuff is them going trick or treating and encountering the weird people in the neighborhood. Like the one teacher's just like in the cat costume, just like, oh, don't you all just look so adorable who shows up later in the werewolf scene yes yes she does that pirate kid is just like oh man i just saw our gym coach butt fucking somebody in a hot dog outfit (laughs) (laughs) which is so great um but then you have like the the snooty girl who's just like the popular kid who's just like hey we're gonna play things nice and fair and we're gonna you know we gotta play this by the book the one dumb girl with braces who's great um and even like the the cute boy who's just like oh hey Rhonda, you know, um, people make fun of you, but I think you're nice. Just like he's total hashtag nice dude, piece of yeah, shit. Yeah, but, but he actually turns out to kind of be a nice guy, right? where he's like, you know, God, you're scaring her. What is it enough for you? Right, but the thing is, he still participated with this bit at the same time. It doesn't change anything. No. He's so at- fucked. No, that's the thing. It's like, oh, he has like some like morality eventually, but he's still participating in this bit. And I just love how they establish all of them as characters. Even Rhonda, of course, too. I just love that, that little girl is so adorable. And her whole thing is that she makes all these pumpkins, and I love that display outside her house. Everyone's like, oh my god, this is so weird. Be like, this kid is an artist. This this kid has, like, a real talent. I would love to do that with my house. Of course, yeah. That'd be amazing. Yeah, and uh, she does... And she's so, like, innocent and cute, and then, like, when she gets, you know, scared and harassed, you really feel for her. And then, as, as she's going up in that elevator, it's such an ingenious device, too, of the elevator. And how she just yep. uses it immediately, just like, nope, fuck all you, and all those go- horrible zombie kids. And I love, too, the look of that quarry is so mysterious and disturbing. Also, just the, the image of that school bus halfway outside of the lake is so great. It's so ethereal. With that dead fog covering everything that it doesn't move and it feels so thick yeah no it's a great set piece yes and like you said they just kill those kids but it feels still so earned it feels perfectly like the point of this whole story and also we haven't mentioned this but at the end of every segment or at least throughout the segments sam just keeps showing up it's just like a spirit that just keeps looking at what's going on being a casual observer of the chaos which is great too he's just there just like good all going to plan (laughs) Throw a little wave or grab some candy or whatever the hell he wants to do. Yeah, Sam's awesome. Talking about the werewolves bit, um, did you know that the little peeping Tom boy is the boy who plays Sam? I did know that. 
I did know that. Did you also know in the werewolf bit that the the one that they tell Anna Paquin, like, that's the one we picked out for you, the big fat guy, mm-hmm. was the great child in 13 Ghosts. Right, and the, the, he's both looks like a baby in that one and this one yep. as well. Yes. Dressed the same way. Well, you know, let me, let me just have that, Tom. Let's just say, no, whoa, you blew my mind. Adam, that was so wonderful. I didn't know that because I'm not the one that looks up trivia for these workflows and didn't see that everywhere. That's so great. You get a gold star. <laughs> that's why I'm the co-host, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, but no, let's get to what I would say. As much as I think all the segments are really great, my favorite has to be Brian Cox. With Without his, question. With his story, which he plays the old curmudgeon man who is based on John Carpenter in terms of look and probably demeanor at this point as well. This was before I think he discovered sure. the combination of weed and basketball video games. But now he's a yeah. great grandpa. <laughs> Right here, he plays crotchety old man who likes to drink and it like like scaring kids and taking their candy. Just perfect asshole curmudgeonly dude. But clearly inspired by um, the character that E.G. Marshall played in Creepshow, like on every yeah. level, in such a perfect yeah, way. Yeah. He gets visited by Sam and he fucks around obviously with the same way. Just like, well, get out of here! Like I'm gonna take your candy. <laughs> Look at me. And he, you know, fucked with the wrong kid because. Oh, Good Lord, Sam. Sam. Whoops, his fucking ass. Yes, because this is where you find out that this kid who's just been showing up, like, hey, who's this little kid in the burlap sack? This weird kid just shows up everywhere. Uh, turns out he is the literal spirit demonic angel of Halloween. He's Sam Hain. I've always been a fan of Brian Cox. I love Brian Brian Cox, I think he's so, so fucking good and very underrated. Without a shadow of a doubt, Brian Cox steals this fucking movie as this wheezing, just piece of shit with a double barrel shotgun and a shitty dog. Just like, I mean, even when the, the throwback to the Dylan Baker scene, what the hell are you doing over there? You're paying it, it smells like a dead cat. Yelling at him, keep your kid off my lawn. <laughs> I mean, he's just an asshole. No, I'm, I'm really glad that he's gotten a lot more um, sort of acknowledgement from especially like the, the online crowd with a succession. Like, now mm-hmm. everyone's seeing, like, oh, Brian Cox is a great kid. It's like, back in my day, I saw him in the ring in X-Men 2. For me, it was, like, fucking Manhunter. Well, of course, Manhunter is, like, the, the earliest example. Arguably a much better Hannibal Lecter than people give him credit for. Oh, yeah. Is he Sir Anthony Hopkins? No, but he's... Is he Matt Mickelson? No, but that's the great thing, is they're all very distinct versions they're of the They're all really good. Anyways. Yes. Yeah, back to Trick or Treat. <laughs> uh, dude, just... How fucking awesome when Sam's crawling on the ceiling and he's written trick-or-treat all over the walls and then he's got the fucking razor blade in the candy bar. No, no, that's the thing is what I love about this segment is the escalation of it. This is what plays into sort of like the horror comedy we talked about last week and even with this, mm-hmm. like the, the horror comedy angle of it's just like it keeps escalating more and more to the point where they do a great example of like actually earning an 80s movie reference where uh, Sam seems shot and he seems out for the count but then his little hand crawls a- across and attaches back yeah. to his body, and Brian Cox has the great delivery of, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> Just, <laughs> of course you would be in that situation. Keep in mind, he's also been so brutally battered. Like, I love the fact that he get gets, like, his hands covered in glass and he has to pick up his shotgun and he can't. Oh, no, I know. Glass in his hand. <laughs> it's so great. And I love just the idea that Sam's held together by pumpkin guts. Yes. Like, his insides are just pumpkin guts and seeds. I mean, how cool. What a great character design. I mean, but anyways, yeah, Brian Cox, God, does he go through the fucking ringer in this movie or what? 
and he falls down the fucking stairs. It's covered in candy and then glass and screws and everything else. This guy really, really pays for his sins. But he doesn't die. Not from that. Well, no, not from that. I mean, he, he does ultimately play his comeuppance, which, I mean, I guess he should. He did take a bribe to kill a bunch of children. Sam's sort of like, all right, I'm going to let you go, fully knowing that, like, he's fucked. I know, that's the thing. I just love, like, Sam just wants his candy bar. This is like a perfect thing. It's like, oh, God, he's going to kill me. No, dude, I just wanted my candy bar back. Yeah. That's yep. all I wanted. Yeah. Sam is all about their tradition. Yeah, just give me back my candy. That's cool. Like, we didn't have to do this dance. You could just give me back my Zug nun. But no. Abba Zabba, only friend. <laughs> I, th- I think he's he's uh, more of a goober's kid myself. Um, but <laughs> all these outdated candies, know what those about. Um, the whole ending of this movie is so phenomenal. Where, like, you, you start off with, as you mentioned, like him being bandaged up with another great... Like, this movie has so many great kid actors that pop up, who I don't know if they've been in anything else, some of these kids, but they just pop up. Like, the little girl who's just saying, like, oh, uh, thanks, Mr. Cringe, a uh, uh, great mummy costume. It's like, oh, it's so adorable. <laughs> I know, he's like, <laughs> he's just beat to shit. Oh. oh, man. I love how that transitions into, like, this beautiful shot that, like, links everything back together, as you're mentioning, where it's like, oh, look, there's Rhonda, and she only gets run over by, like, the werewolf girls, and there's Dylan Baker's son outside on the porch giving it, like, just all the aftermath of all these segments just, like, perfectly showing up, and just, and Sam's looking at it, just like, look what I've done here. But, oh, wait, my job's not That's done. Honestly, Sam and the husband on yep. the street, yep. Yep, so it all comes full circle perfectly. And you think like, oh, well, I guess this is just the pleasant ending of this horror anthology. Everything's fine. Everything's wrapped up. And then he gets another knock at that door. And who shows up but those zombie kids because he was the bus driver. Gross, wet, dripping ghouls. Trick or treat. Oh, so good. The bow. It's such a perfect bow. And then it leads into these great illustrations, too. Like, we didn't mention the title sequence as these two, like, the comic book version of the story, which is excellent. I don't know, did they ever make an actual comic of this, like they did with Creepshow? As far as I know, no. But, you know, I I wouldn't be surprised if, like, you know, IDW or someone put out a, you know, a one-shot graphic novel or something about this. Um I've never seen it, but I wouldn't be surprised if it exists. No, definitely, especially in a modern market, that you'd figure that it would kind of be, like, with the cult that this movie has accumulated, which also, I'm just glad that this is another example, like we talked about with, in our feedback last week, about what we do in The Shadows, being like, oh, this, like, weird streaming era horror movie that still gets a lot of, like, attention and love. I love the fact that it's gotten that, and also has weirdly gotten even, like, mainstream somewhat with the Halloween Horror Night stuff, which I've been to. That's my one-up against you and your fucking Sam thing. That's all right. I'm going to take a picture of that, Sam, and share it on her Facebook page, and then you can look at it. Love me. No, that's true. (laughs) Hey, Adam, can I come over sometime? (laughs) I I loved going to, like, there was a scare zone in, I believe, 2016, then 2017, they had the actual house, and I just loved walking in that world. Like, usually with the Halloween Horror Nights, things like, oh, that's clever, they recreated this and this, this is fun. Or like, hey, it's a new house that looks really good. With Trick or Treat, I'm just like, can I stay here? Can I just stay oh, really? in this haunt? And Because it's just, it perfectly recreates everything. Like, oh, look, there's Dylan Baker and the fucking kid vomiting. There's all this other stuff. It's really like just walking in that world. And I dug it so much. This is such a great immersive environment that I, I would want to do that like every year. Was there a bunch of jack-o'-lanterns and shit all around? Yeah, there were jack-o'-lanterns everywhere. And oh, Sam's oh, kept popping it. out and shit. Yeah, that's and, awesome. 
And I did love also, even when they did the scare zone, which for those of you who don't know, Halloween Horror Nights, they have the houses, obviously, where you walk through different tableaus. But then the scare zones are, like, on the streets in between the houses, like, when you walk around the park, where it's just like, you just walk through, like, hey, look, here's this thing themed to trick-or-treat one street that's themed to that. And they had, like, a thing where it's, like, all the little pumpkins that are all around on this archway, and then little Sam on one corner. I, I just loved it so much. And that's how I actually introduced my sister and her boyfriend trick-or-treat just normies who love going to Halloween Horror Nights though and they're just like oh wow that was great that was such like a fun little horror movie thing and that's the thing I love that it's getting that kind of attention still even to the day that it's become such an undiscovered gem that gets discovered at the same time um and you might have heard something about maybe they were trying to do a sequel to this movie at one point I have heard that wasn't that like a couple of years ago Right, yeah, it was, like, announced briefly at some point, Michael Doherty's like, I want to do this probably after I'm finished doing Godzilla King of the Monsters, and that's what makes me so curious, because after this he did Krampus, which was another great, like, horror movie, but themed around Christmas, another one that, like, I watch every year now, <laughs> in term- around that holiday season, it's such a perfect evocative feel of that particular holiday, and then that off of the surprise success of that in theaters, he ended up getting Godzilla King of the Monsters, and that one... Was, it was disappointing just in terms of the movie itself, especially because all the great comedy in this movie cut to Godzilla King of the Monsters. You have fucking Thomas Middleditch being like, uh, oh, hey, King Ghidorah? You mean, what, King Gonorrhea? Real moment in that movie. Just terrible. Oh, no. I can't... I still have yet to see that. No, it's such, uh... a, it's such a weird bummer because on the one hand, all of the monster stuff is fantastic. It's some of, like, the, the best, like, realization of, like, oh, hey, all these creatures have character and they have a lot of like weight against each other but it's a two-hour movie where also the other half of it is these human characters i've heard some godzilla fans say hey i just wanted monsters and i got playing monsters it's like yeah you got that but you have just as much if not even more terrible human shit just a bunch of bullshit padding great no yeah and it's it's such a weird disappointment and then it not doing as well at the box office it makes me really curious about what dory's future is necessarily on the one hand i would love to see like, more of that universe with Trick or Treat, but also, I don't want to just have them keep going back to, like, holiday horror movies, necessarily. I mean, I'd love another Trick or Treat movie, but I don't know that it's necessary. I think this is just a perfect movie. I don't know that it needs expanding upon. I don't know that it needs anything else. I think this is just a perfect standalone anthology film. Because, let's face it, with most anthology films, i.e. Creepshow we've been talking about, the sequels are always lackluster. Always. Yeah, Creepshow 2 is not great, and then the less said about the direct-to-video sequel, the better. <laughs> oh, Creepshow 3. Oh, my God. I don't know. What would you want to see Doherty do at this point? I'd like to see Doherty maybe do another horror film, maybe another horror comedy film, because he clearly has the knack for that, i.e. this and Krampus. But maybe something that is unexpected, maybe even if, if they stick with the holiday theme, something that maybe hasn't been done in a long time, like maybe another Valentine's Day one. Like we have My Bloody Valentine, which I'd argue is one of the the best, you know, undersung 80 slashers, and I love the remake. But maybe like a, a Valentine's Day horror movie, even if it's an anthology or something like that. I think Doherty's wheelhouse is definitely anthology movies. Well, I don't know if necessarily just anthology. It's just I, I, I agree that either I would want to see him do something original again, or on the flip side, if he has to do some kind of remake or whatever, or like, especially in the modern age of like, hey, let's do a reboot cool kind of thing. I know Joe Dante ain't going to be doing Grimlins 3. 
But if any, if it has oh, to happen, good. Oh, he'd be good for Gremlins. Yeah, I could see that. If it has to happen, I think he's the only other man for the job. I could also see him doing the long gestated American Werewolf remake. I, I think because he has a handle of like respecting those the older movies, but not necessarily just repeating them either. I think he would do something a bit less in the vein of say like the new Halloween, where it's like, oh hey, we're kind of diverging away from the Halloween sequels, but here's a wink, yeah. here's a nod, there's a wink, there's a nod, look at this. Yeah. If they ever maybe do, um, like, some some of these other reboots of, like, those kind of big slasher franchises of sorts, I would love to see him do maybe, like, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Absolutely. And I'd totally be down for who Robert England uh, recently came out and pegged, where he's like, dude, if anybody's going to do Freddy, have it be Kevin Bacon. Absolutely. That's a really good choice, yeah. I agree. And you know what? Absolutely. Put, put a pin in that Freddy Krueger bit there, Adam, for later in the Wait, show. What? Oh. what? Yes, and uh, why don't you go into your final thoughts now on Trick or Treat? Trick or Treat, to me, is the perfect Halloween film. It gives you all the scares, all the fun, everything, and it's intrinsically tied to the holiday itself. It feels like a fall movie. It's just... It's expertly done in every way. The way the stories interweave with each other, the acting, the way it's shot. It's literally, to me, a perfect Halloween film. Not even an anthology. I mean, it is a perfect anthology, but it's a perfect Halloween time film. Yep. I mean, I, I couldn't say much better myself. Um, it perfectly evokes the seasons, especially as someone who like grew up in Florida where there are no seasons. Um, this, this is such a great example of like putting on, you feel like you're in like a Midwest, you know, town during the October season, just the leaves falling, all this other stuff. It's so perfect. There's so many great bits. Like I, we didn't talk about it much, but I love the flashback of the school bus thing and how it's sapia tone looking and washed out like an old photograph. It looks so perfect. Yeah. And the, and the kid and the vampire thing. So like, that's the one scene in this movie where I'm like, Oh God, this makes me feel unnerved. Yeah. He realizes what's going on. Oh, He's the one kid that realizes and it's really sad. Yeah, they, they do such a great job of really getting you immersed in characters, even if they have just like one line of dialogue. You get a whole sense of who that person is, who that character is. From that kid to even, I love the weird, like the West Bentley looking idiot who run, who's at the Halloween store within the fucking elf outfit. Just right yeah. from the moment you see him, it's just like, oh, hey, yeah, I'll get off in 20 minutes. He has <laughs> a weird looking West Bentley. He looks like West Bentley's understudy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's his costume with the elf ears and everything. Um, but I really still love this movie so much. It is a perennial watch. And even though we watched this, you know, midway or so through the Halloween season, um, I'm definitely going to be watching this again, maybe around Halloween as well. Just because I, I, I got to watch it around that time. It's like that. And sometimes the original Halloween, sometimes other things. Like I usually try and cycle. I'm one of those nerds that tries to do 31 days of horror thing. Like sure, there's sure. like... I try and mix in, like, here's something I've never seen before, here's a classic, here's all this other stuff, here's one I haven't seen in a long time. This is definitely the one I always make sure to mm -hmm. watch around that I time. I watch this Halloween day every year. It's a perfect example of uh, just really immersing you in the holiday, and uh, it's it's the one. It's uh, You know, back when FearNet was a thing, they would air this 24 hours like a Christmas story on Halloween, and it fits perfectly for that. It deserves that kind of attention. I agree. I agree. But... Uh, that is the end of our discussion of our two films. Would this be the most stark example of, like, how bad something is to how good something is on our show? Maybe ever, Adam? 
Yeah, probably. It is the most polar opposite example. I, I, I think so, because we went from the, one of the biggest pieces of shit ever to one of the greatest movies we've ever talked about. Yep. Uh, yeah, I, I honestly think so. Yeah, this is such a stark contrast between the two. Before we go into picking our final October Halloween horror, or we might have hinted at it, stay tuned, um, we've got some feedback to read, because every Monday at DEDB Pod, we share a feeler about, like, hey, what are your favorite, least favorite examples of whatever topic we're doing? So we asked about horror anthologies, and you all submitted stuff, including James Rodriguez, who said, uh, Trick or Treat is a fantastic piece of horror, which I never found dull. The combination of... George A. Romero and Stephen King paid off well with the cracking piece of horror, which is Creepshow. Uh, Holidays is a mixed bag, but I'd recommend it for containing one of the best recent segments in the atmospheric Father's Day. Unfortunately, it's followed up uh, by one of the worst with Kevin Smith's Halloween segment. Um, And the ABCs of Death has an intriguing premise with many good segments, but they're sadly too overwhelmed with bad ones to recommend on the overall product. Um, yeah, we you know we did our Kevin Smith episode. We didn't talk about that. Um, as bad as Yoga Hosers is, I would argue that segment in Holidays is the worst thing he's ever made. I never watched Holidays because I heard it was that bad. No, that's the problem. It's like there are really good segments. Like I didn't agree with Father's Day necessarily, but there's there's like a really good Valentine's Day segment and New Year's Eve mm-hmm. segment too. It's it's the most mixed bag of a horror anthology. I would argue because like, there's an even amount of like good and bad ones. ABCs of Death. Good lord. No, I mean, I would argue those are less mixed bags, though, and more like, hey, there's a couple good ones, and oof. <laughs> more oofs. What's his name? Uh, the guy who did fucking uh, House of the Devil. Oh, Ty, yes, Ty West did oh, a segment. Oh, good yes. lord. That is, uh, it's called T for Toilet, and I believe the first ABCs of Death. The first one. It is yes. one of the worst things I've ever seen. Yes, I'll, I'll spoil it for you, everybody, because you shouldn't watch this part. Um, it is a segment where, oh, there's like all this build about like, oh, something's in the toilet, something's in the toilet. What is it? Oh, it's a fetus. Someone had a miscarriage in the toilet. Oh, way to go, Ty West. Great, great stuff. That segment was why I stayed away from Ty West for so long. (laughs) Because that was one of the few things I saw of his. I'm like, ugh, terrible. And then, but House of, I I do really like House of the Devil and Innkeepers. I think those are good movies, but. House of the Devil is probably my favorite of his, but yeah. Very good. Next up, uh, Shane Steele says, Creepshow is good, creepy fun, from top to bottom, with some amazing EC Comics homages, and the best example of Stephen King thanks putting on a southern accent um, is acting. Uh, And then ABCs of Death takes the title from the Edward Gorey illustration collection, but none of the dark charms. Let me ask you this, Adam. We might cover Creepshow at some point. What is your favorite segment of Creepshow? Oh, man. The thing is, I've gotten to the point now where I love Creepshow as a whole, Right. It is one of the more consistent horror anthologies ever. Like, all of them are at least good. I do actually really enjoy the Stephen King one, but probably Father's Day is my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, of course, The Crate. The Crate's great. The, the Crate's my favorite. Kind of has to be, right? I mean, it's the <laughs> like, perfect mix of, like, all the asshole characters and also the great monster element of it and the gore. I think it has everything just packed perfectly. Adrian Barbeau is a perfect asshole oh, yeah. of a person just so but, uh you got piggy friends and shit for brains perfect uh, dancing and leslie nielsen though no that's also great like that's the thing creep show is over so good is that the very like all the segments of creep show are really even the wraparound is great in creep show mm-hmm. with tom mm-hmm. atkins of course sans mustache which is really weird i know i don't like it 
That's your one flaw with Creepshow. He doesn't have a mustache. Yeah. How bad does not have a mustache? I'm weird. <laughs> you you want to do a reverse uh, Henry Cavill Superman and put a mustache on him digitally? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Chung said, uh, best trick-or-treat, obviously, uh, Creepshow, and Tale of Tales, uh, worse the VHS franchise, except for the Succubus segment. I think VHS a bit more, especially I would say VHS 2 is the best one of those. Yeah, I agree. I'm not mad at VHS 2. I'm not a huge fan of VHS 1, but there was a lot of segments of VHS 2. Well, maybe not a lot, but the cult segment in VHS 2. Directed by Gareth Evans. Phenomenal. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the guy who did the Raid movies, and he comes yep. at night and stuff like that. Amazing. Just one oh, of the, so the, good. the best compact action bits. But there's other good segments. Like, I like my favorite one from the first VHS is actually the one, I think it's called like 103198 or something like that, where they go into the haunted house. And oh, there's, like, the personal cam on the bear. Because I think that's the thing. Those movies know how to use, like, found footage for only short segments, and it works perfectly. And, and I do agree that I think the Succubus one is good. I do hate that they that was the one they chose to make into a feature film. Which, which was I bad. never watched because I'm like, I have no one. It was bad, and it wasn't even made by the guy who made that segment. So why bother? Yeah, of course. But, you know, if you want a better example from the same people who did that, I would definitely recommend Southbound. Yeah. Southbound's so, mediocre for me. No, here's the thing. I, I do agree overall it's mediocre, but it's completely worth it for that middle segment. Where the guy hits the woman on the road. Oh god, what a good segment. That That is one of the best horror anthology segments in any movie. It's like yeah, perfect. And like even with like, because it's right in the middle. So there's like stuff at the beginning. It's like fine. And then there's stuff at the end. It's fine um, overall. There's none of them are like terrible, I would argue. Oh, but that middle one is so worth watching. <laughs> it's so great. For sure. And then uh, Brian Kane said, The Twilight Zone single-handedly got me into horror. The obsolete man and escape clause still haunt me in the back of my mind. I mean, yeah, that's more TV, of course, but uh, th- there yeah. was a Twilight Zone movie. We've talked about which it on another discussed. podcast. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. Which has its own awkward history, but at the same time has at least a couple really great segments. Oh, yeah. The thing about the Twilight Zone movie, which is so good, is that everybody you talk to has a different favorite segment. That's that's what, to me, makes a good horror anthology, to where none of them are necessarily bad but (laughs) (laughs) but everybody likes different ones right and i think the twilight zone movie is a a very good horror anthology film yeah and it's it's that weird thing where you're just like oh man why was this buried oh yeah that's why this was buried it's the unfortunate thing about it it's just like yeah oh oh yeah because of uh death Real life death that happened? Yes. Horrible tragedy? Yeah. Yes. That's why they hit yeah. it. I'll do it. Uh, at the same time, though, obviously the original show. I, I mean, I'm trying to remember what were those two oh, episodes? Yeah. The Obsolete Man and the Escape Clause? I, I honestly. I have no idea. I, was, I, I would I, not I, know I, by the titles. Like, Twilight Zone yeah. is totally a great example of a show where you're just like, oh, the episode where Burgess Meredith breaks his glasses. Like, you won't, you know yeah. by, like, those specific moments. The Pig Doctors. I mean, right. Yeah. Right, I agree. But now I'm going to go seek out those two episodes, because I'm curious. What well, What is your favorite episode of that show? The Burgess Meredith one. I mean, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's, it's, so, it's so epic. And Burgess Meredith is so good in it. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. I have a distinct memory. It's not my favorite set one, but you mentioned the Pig Doctor one, which I do know is called Eye of the Beholder. 
that scared the shit out of me when I was a kid, though. Well, but it's also it's so weird because I remember watching that segment and not knowing anything that that whole episode, not knowing what was going to happen. It was like really late at night, and I was just really getting immersed in the drama of this woman. She's like, "Oh, I've had these surgeries forever, and people called me ugly," and I was just really like, "Oh, this poor lady. How is this going to work out?" And the twist happens, and it was just like I was, I think, probably like seven or so. I was up way too late on like a holiday weekend when they were showing that and I'm like oh, what? <laughs> it, you know living dolls good live, right uh, uh, talking Tina yeah yeah nightmare 20,000 feet of course well right but I think really my favorite one and another one that like as a kid I just really got into like oh man this is really disturbing especially as a child even was um the it's a good life with the kid who has the magic powers and has the whole town under that's good but no, I think especially with that episode, it works so well because it's all about what you don't see, where it's like the yeah. limitations of the time work perfectly for it. It's it's so good. I, I really dig that one. But yeah, thank you for all that feedback. We also want to thank Chris Oliver for the intro and outro music used on the show. Listen to more of his music, chrisoliver.bandcamp.com. Thanks to Emily Scarter for the art for our show. And of course, you can also find us on Twitter and Facebook at DEDBpod. That's where we put out those feelers. And about like asking you guys about what your favorite and least favorite things are, and we read them on the show. And also, you can email us feedback at doubleedgedoublebill, all spelled out, at gmail.com. And uh, you can find me at at not the who's Tommy, where I post my musings and such. I also do writing for MarianiThomas.wordpress.com uh, for reviews and stuff, and then also I do satirical superhero news at TrueSuperheroFans.com. And uh, you can find Adam in his burlap sack going around making sure you follow the rules of Halloween. Or you're not. I, I really don't care. I just want food. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I have uh you got candy or you got like a pot roast? I'll take really I like... mean, anything, anything at this point. <laughs> Please, I'm starving. Look at me. <laughs> but for more great quality content like that, subscribe to us on iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platform out there. And if you're listening on the ESO network, uh why not dig into the archives for the first several episodes? Of course, also if you have the time, if you have the ability, Please rate, review, or even uh, just share the show around to give us more visibility. That's all it takes, man. Click of the mouse. That's all follow, it takes. Follow the rules of double-edged devil, Bill. Always rate and review. <laughs> That's what you gotta do. You all really don't follow those rules. You all fucked. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, now, Adam, it's time to pick for our final entry in the Halloween spooktacular of this month. It's already over. I know, yeah. Uh, it's, it's felt only like four days or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we recorded a lot of these in advance for those you might No, we did. No, we did. No, we no, did. No, they don't no. know that. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Um, this is all live. This is all live. It's all live, yes, on the air. You're we don't edit these things. You're participating. Uh, oh, give us super chats. That's how you do. That's what people do on YouTube, right? <laughs> Well, now, Adam, uh, we're doing our, our final picking for our last episode of October, and uh, we decided to celebrate an anniversary in an interesting way, because uh, 35 years ago, coming up this, weirdly not October, but November, um, in 1984, we had a little movie come out called Nightmare on Elm Street, and uh, we like to do a franchise every time we do these, like, horror things, you know, we like dipping our, our toes in that, and so we're doing the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which, you know, is a weird thing, because 
as much as I would say this is not a very, you know, sturdy franchise, not consistent, I still have such an affection for it, despite that. Oh, absolutely. I'm the same way. I mean, there's more bad than good, but I just love Freddy Krueger. I love the idea of this franchise, and uh, honestly, what it gave us. I mean, granted, Halloween, then Friday 13th, then Nightmare on Elm Street, but I'd argue without Nightmare on Elm Street, we wouldn't have got the boom of the slasher craze, because this movie hit really big. I mean, yeah, I would argue Friday the 13th had this a bit more to do with that. I guess I quit, because we just... <laughs> <laughs> that's true we never disagreed before and this is the first time and we're just separating now <laughs> good night everybody last episode but i think this is definitely responsible for not necessarily the the wave of like the traditional slash but this is definitely the start of the supernatural slasher we can definitely say because halloween ushered in a lot of like friday the 13th and knockoffs and other things that are much more like guy with a knife storming around wherever this is like what definitely boomed because like there's so many like even wes craven himself god rest his soul um, ended up doing, like, Shocker not too long mm-hmm. after, which is very much trying to play into that. But uh, you've got the two good movies for this franchise, Adam, and I have the two bad. And uh, for those of you who are new, Adam has assigned these two movies a number between 1 and 10 each, and I've done the same for my two bad picks. And so we're going to each pick a number between 1 and 10 ourselves. That gets us our good and our bad feature. And I'm very curious, Adam, because I would say there are three really good ones in this franchise, and I know you don't usually like to discuss the overly discussed ones. Correct. So, uh, for year two, Adam, um, I'm going to pick one, two. Freddy's coming for you. At number three, I have what I consider is one of the first meta-horror films. I have Wes Craven's New Nightmare. All right! Yeah! I like this one a lot. The, the, the trilogy for me is definitely the three that Wes Craven was somewhat involved in, where it's like the first Nightmare... Dream Warriors, which he wrote a draft of, or two of, of at least. Right, right, right. Um, And then uh, New Nightmare. That's great. I couldn't pick the first or Dream Warriors. Those have been no, so... I get that. No, I respect I've talked about them elsewhere to certain degrees. No, but yeah, really glad about New Nightmare. That's awesome. And what was your other choice? Uh, N- Nightmare 5, Dream Child. I don't hate that one as much as a lot of people do. I, I don't like it that much, it's, but... No, it's got problems, but it's fun. No, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's one of the the ones that gets maligned a lot, but I, I honestly prefer to, like, Dream Master or some of those other ones. Oh, yeah, sure you do. <laughs> oh, we, a bit of dissent there, I guess. Yeah. Well, on that note, Adam, uh, now it's time for my bad picks, and I, I had a smorgasbord. There's so many I could have done. I'm going high up. I'm going number eight. Okay. You know, uh, eight ain't that great. If you're dead, Adam... Because we're doing Freddy's Dead. Motherfucker. <laughs> oh, you motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I hate this movie so much. It's really bad. Oh, I legitimately hate it. Like, legitimately, it angers me. Oh, my eyes just popped. I'm blind now. <laughs> oh, fuck you. Oh. Alright, what was... Oh, god damn it. What was your other one? Well, um, at number three, um, I had the remake, which, um, as bad as that one is, Ooh. Ooh. which is worse, which is worse to you. Yeah, well, there's more to talk about with Freddy's dead. That's true. That's the thing. That's why I'm glad we got that. <laughs> and 
Yeah. Well, it'll be very interesting because this is one of those times we're doing a franchise where we're talking about two segments that follow each other directly, and it's a big turning point for the franchise yeah. in general. Fuck. God damn it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, that's the end of our show, everybody. It's time to close our scare book, kiddies, boils, and ghouls. We'll have another terrifying tale, the final terrifying tale of October next week. And now let's uh, go into the crypt. And I, I don't know. I'll wear a bunch of costumes. That's what the crypt keeper did, right? He had like, such a huge like closet full of costumes for a crypt. I'm amazed. Uh-huh. How many outfits that dude had. And he also made me an offer I couldn't confuse. Like, does he have, like, a Tales from the Crypt, like, Cribs episode? I think episode? so, right? Like, I think so. I'm not not convinced that the Crypt Keeper isn't actually uh, Carson from Queer Eye from the Straight Guy, the original. We need to get him back for the reboot on Netflix. I mean, we got let's, to. Let's get him on. Well, uh, let's call him right now. Hey, Car Car. Hello. Jesus Christ, what's happened to you? It's a problem. <laughs> Good, Good night. night, everybody. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.